0: My family is a Broadway-loving, TV-loving, movie-loving. We are obsessed with um, all forms of media. And so for me, um, that's where my passion lies. And no surprise, that's why I was at HBO and at Viacom and NBC Universal. And now tune in
2: Hey, everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast. This is the podcast to help you turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to the next career breakthrough. I am super excited today to be talking with another amazing executive that I love, and her name is Juliette Morris. She is the CEO of TuneIn, the leading live global streaming and on-demand Audio service. Now one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Juliet today is because she has had this amazing career across entertainment, media, and now, tech. And all along, she's been really super smart and strategic about guiding her career. And it really brings me back to one of the foundations of the lead with your brand system. And that is that brand cannot be created in a vacuum. If you are thinking right now about honing and enhancing your personal brand, it has to be informed by several things. First, It needs to be informed by your career strategy. All great brands have a strategy that's for the business, and the brand is designed to get them there. The second thing is, brands cannot exist in a vacuum about you. Your brand cannot be obsessed with what you want and what you think you are. Great brands super serve their audience. And that's one of those strategic levers there. You've got to go out and ask your audience exactly what it is that they want. Ultimately, great brands do that. They do surveys. They do focus groups. So what are you doing to really understand what your career audience needs from you so that you're building a career strategy that is informed by that, and you're building a personal brand that super serves those needs. Now, the key thing is, is you can't just bend and be something that you're not, but you do need to figure out a way to be authentically you while delivering and super serving your fans. Now, we'll be back in just a few minutes with Juliet Morris. As I said, she's the CEO of TuneIn. Now, she started at TuneIn about three years ago as the chief marketing officer, where she was instrumental in driving significant growth for the company, and most recently was promoted to the chief executive officer. Prior to joining TuneIn, Juliet held executive leadership and marketing positions at three top global media companies, including HB. Video, Viacom and NBC Universal, where she and I worked together, where she was the EVP of marketing and communications and was responsible for marketing business strategy with distribution partners for a multi billion dollar content portfolio that consisted of top rated networks like Bravo, CNBC, E, Sprout, Sci Fi, MSNBC, USA, NBC, and all of the Telemundo stations. We'll be back. Back in just a couple of moments with Juliet. If you're one of our listeners who's ready to dig into your personal brand and go for that next career breakthrough, I have a special announcement for you. We have the next series of the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program starting in just a couple of weeks. Now, for years, when I would give the Lead With Your Brand workshop or keynote address, I'd come off stage and people would come up to me and say, hey, how can I put this system into practice? And that's exactly what the Career Breakthrough mentoring program does for people like you you're high performing and you're a high potential leader now our next group is starting the first week of october so if you're ready to do the work go to leadwithyourbrand.com and click on career breakthrough mentoring to fill out the application
1: for over 25 years
2: And we are back, and I am super excited to welcome the CEO of TuneIn, Juliet Morris. Juliet, how are you doing today? I am jumping out of my skin.
0: I'm so excited to be with you (laughs) and to see you and to be reunited and thoroughly honored to be part of this amazing project that you have launched.
2: Well, I am honored and thrilled that you're joining us because this is really all about hearing from amazing leaders and executives in entertainment, tech, and media. And you check all of those boxes because you've had this amazing career. Oh, thank you. My mother would agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, Juliet, um, walk me through, for someone who doesn't know you, how mm-hmm. do you explain who you are and what you do?
0: So I currently as you mentioned when we started am the CEO of TuneIn and TuneIn is a audio platform that provides every voice, all stories and access across the globe to every radio station to the preeminent news outlets like MSNBC, CNN, as well as college sports and other local sports. And in the past, when you would try to listen to radio, you were very much insulated by where you lived. And what this does is allow displaced fans, displaced residents of whether they grew up in the UK or Ghana, wherever they live, to be able to stay connected to their homes and to the voices and the music and the news that they care about. And I have been the CEO for a year and a half. And prior to that, I was CMO of TuneIn. So I've
2: been there just under three years. So you're celebrating a year as the CEO. So tell me, when you kind of look back over your career, what have been some of the big career breakthrough moments for you? So
0: it's a great question. I have two. I would say, really big breakthrough moments. The first was many, many years ago, and I won't say the year because I don't want anyone to figure (laughs) out my age. Got to keep some secrets from you, Jason. I had been in my family's business, which I'm super proud of my dad for after World War II, starting his own business. But it was a women's sleepwear business. And what my real passion was was movies and TV and media. And it is really difficult to go from Valmo lingerie to HBO, which is where <laughs> I wanted to go. And I tried my hardest to show the correlation, but I ultimately had to take a very brave step, which was I had gone to speak to someone at HBO and they said, no one leaves, you'll never get in. And in her inbox, which there still was physical inboxes on the desk at that time, I saw a flyer for summer internships. And I was older than that, (laughs) but saw it as a great opportunity for me to get experience. And I went down to NYU and signed up for their continuing education internship program because you needed to be able to get college credit. Yeah. for an internship and I showed up at HBO and to this day I am the oldest summer intern they ever had. <laughs> and I was fortunate enough to meet three women who I'd love to give credit to, um, Shelley Wright Brindle, Gina Dedan and Lisa Gussack, who understood what I was trying to do, that I was trying to make a pivot and a career change. And they gave me the opportunity to be an intern and I spent eight years there and left as the VP of Acquisition Marketing and had an incredible career, and they allowed me to make the pivot into the industry of my passion. And so I would say that was my first breakthrough moment. My second was recently. I had been at our old stomping grounds, NBC Universal, which is one of the the most incredible places to work, surrounded by some of the smartest, most um, interesting peers and people. And I was very happy, but I was bored. I could do my job in my sleep, nothing surprised me. I had built an exceptional team with really strong people and I realized I wanted to own a PL. and I wanted tech experience and I needed to pivot again to be able to have the type of runway for my career that I craved. And so I I left an amazing company and decided that uh, I was going to go out West, which honestly, uh, anyone that knows me knows that me going to San Francisco was the equivalent of Carrie Bradshaw going to Paris in Sex in the City. It made no Uh sense to anyone I knew. But I uh, was given the great opportunity to become CMO of TuneIn. And so I picked up and I went. And I thought I had hit pay dirt just by being CMO of the company and transitioning my career. And a year and a half in, my boss, um, a gentleman by the name of John Dunham, who was an incredible mentor and a friend today, decided to leave to uh, pursue his gaming passion. And I was made... CEO so it was
2: it was just a dream come true so tell me what was the biggest challenge for you shifting from you know what we'll say is the traditional entertainment and media business to really a tech media business
0: so it, it's interesting and I hope I I don't get in trouble for saying this but I definitely experienced a level of discrimination by coming from big media. Yeah. And I think that uh, Silicon Valley and a lot of people in tech wanted to look down their noses and say, you're old, you don't know what's happening. Ironically, nothing was different. They just had a different name for it. Mm. And so I found that my experience was incredibly relevant and was um, valuable and transferable, but I did need to uh, learn a whole new vocabulary. The, the biggest challenging and opportunity was really getting to learn about product, how the mm-hmm. product is made, working closely with engineers, and understanding the process. And so that was completely different. And has been eye-opening and
2: um, an incredible opportunity to be able to be steeped in that. Yeah. And so first as CMO and then now as CEO, how is it that you as a leader interface with your team in a way that they understand you, knowing that there was sort of that language difference and that you aren't necessarily an engineering expert but that's sort of the core of what a lot of your folks do.
0: Yeah, I, I have found, especially now, based on your question, but in general, one of the things that is incredibly important for anyone, regardless of the level that they are in, is to find the strength to be vulnerable. Mm. And a lot of people assume that being vulnerable is a weakness. I view it as a strength. And so I do not hesitate to say, I am clearly not an engineer. Can you go a little bit slower? I need I need you to explain that to me mm-hmm. um, and to and to make sure and not to pretend that I'm more of an expert when I have to be a little bit more of a student. And so I think the more that I was able to communicate with people what I did know and what I didn't know and what I could learn from them and what they could learn from me and have that two-way experience
2: really helped me. And I love that whole notion of even when you step into that CEO role, it's all about knowing when you're not the expert, right?
0: Absolutely. And for me, I, I viewed myself, it's, it's not a glamorous term, but more of a an air traffic controller. Because Mm. all of my direct reports are the domain experts and are the people that have a a level and a depth of expertise that I didn't have. And so I viewed my job as making sure they had the resources, they had the um, support, they recognized that they could take risks and fail and that was okay, And to allow them to be the best they could be and also do that with their teams. And that was my job. My job was not to run engineering or to run product or to any more run marketing, but to allow those people uh, to run it. My job was to make sure that the strategy and the vision and the KPIs were clear and communicate it and allow them
2: to reach those and exceed those to the best of their ability. Absolutely. And when you think about moving into that CEO role, what are the things that you immediately found? Whoa, I need to do a lot more of this. And I need to like, stop doing this.
0: Well, I definitely had to stop doing my old
2: job. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hard for a lot of people. Which is right?
0: hard for a lot of people, and you know, luckily the uh, the team was ready to take on more on their own. But you know, I had to constantly fight the urge to <laughs> to get in there and and keep doing that. And I'm I'm lucky that uh, the people that work for me have no problem swatting me away. And being, um, being honest with me, I realized that I had to dig in more into a lot of the, uh, financial and PL mm-hmm. and, um, operational excellence and how to make sure that we were running as efficiently and smartly as possible, which was new to me but really exciting. And and I had to make sure that, as I said a couple of minutes ago, I was making the difficult decisions that were informed, but that I was decisive and acted on these things quickly enough that the teams could optimize and leverage them. And that uh, being able to make the decisions with enough information and quickly was what the
2: team needed from me. Mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit about how you would describe your brand as an executive.
0: So based on the name of this podcast, I knew you were going <laughs> to ask that. And I certainly listened to uh, many of the ones from last week. And again, congratulations. What an incredible inaugural week you had. Oh, thank you. Um, but so in the spirit of being a good marketer, good marketers often go back out to the market and ask their users Mm -hmm. if their brand is still resonating in the way they think. So I wrote down how I thought I would describe my brand and I reached out simultaneously to six people on my team and some other people that have worked with me. And I asked them to define my brand so that I could see how consistent they were. And I'm thrilled that they were actually consistent. So it, I I would first say I'm a change agent. Yeah. And and that can be many things. It can be a change in strategy. I've I've had a lot of experience turning around departments, uh, turning around from unprofitable to profitable, mm-hmm. and so coming in and really identifying what a department or now a company needs to really reach its potential is one of the, I think, big things that I would characterize my brand as decisive. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I am, I am not closed minded. I'm very open minded. I get all of the information. I do not believe in, in making big decisions without the input of the important voices, but I, it's important that a decision is made. And so I am, I am very decisive and action oriented. Another term. And I think this comes through in hindsight for my breakthrough uh, career moves is I'm, I'm resilient. I, Mm. you know, I figure out um, how to, how to manage through um, difficult and, and new periods of time and, and stay calm through them. I think there has to be a never let them see you sweat. You can go yeah. home and have a lot of drinks, or <laughs> of course, watch some of you know watch every housewife on Bravo or Old Home, which is a way I manage stress. Uh, but you have to, but you have to stay uh, resilient and strong for your teams. And then I, I think the, the last that I would definitely um, attribute is being authentic. I, I, I don't really think I know how not to show up as May. I can't really hide that I'm loud. I can't hide <laughs> <laughs> that I'm boisterous. It's, it's, and, and anytime I have ever seen someone try to who, hide who they truly are, it's obvious. And so yeah. I think um, being authentic and when it requires being vulnerable is part of my brand as well.
2: Absolutely. So talk a little bit about authenticity. Were there times earlier in your career where you felt that you had to make compromises in showing up as who you are?
0: Yes, but they were they were the right
2: compromises.
0: So mm. in every 360 or feedback since I came out of the womb, it has been... <laughs>
2: let other people speak. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have that same one.
0: <laughs> yes. And I, I in my exuberance um, early in my career, my um, interest in proving I knew the answer was very important. And what I have, and it's still a challenge and there are many that would probably say I haven't even come close to accomplishing it yet. But especially as I've moved uh, ahead in my career, I've had to count in my head to 10 or to 20 and allow other people to come up with the answer and Mm -hmm. to try to um, manage that a little bit better. And so that's really just been trying to not change who I am, but take what, what could be a negative and make it more of a positive. I would say early in my career, I used to look at people that I really respected as leaders and try to imitate or mimic that. And I realized you can't mimic it because sometimes it's not authentic to you. What you yeah. need to do is say, what I really appreciate about this person who's a mentor is X. How can I integrate that into who I am authentically? But if someone is, is not a witty person, you they can't force trying to be witty because somebody that they admire uses wit in a certain way. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I think we've all been in those situations where we can see people trying on something that's clearly not them. And it's pretty obvious, right? Yes. Yeah. So you talked about those amazing three women at HBO from you know way back in in the early days. What were some of the things that you saw in them that you wanted to replicate, but then were able to kind of try that on in an authentically Juliet kind of yeah. way? Yeah.
0: Well, it's those three women and uh, my my boss at Viacom, Nicole Browning, my my peers from. Viacom, who are now some of my closest friends in my board of directors. We have a group we call the Nasty Women and we <laughs> help each other through uh, every environment. Judy McGrath at, at Viacom, uh, women like uh, Bonnie Hammer at mm, NBC yeah. Universal. You know, I think uh, some of the things that I saw was um, compassion, that uh being compassionate and empathetic as a leader was not a weakness. and of course as a woman in business uh, women have the tendency to assume that that will be perceived as a weakness mm-hmm. and that they can't show that. And what I saw in many of these women was that you could be empathetic and compassionate as a leader but still be perceived as smart. And strong and successful that they didn't have to undercut one another, and um, seeing that early in my career
2: was was important. So tell me more about the uh, the nasty women your board of directors. Uh, How does that work?
0: So you know I'm 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 so fortunate. We all met at Viacom, and some of them had been there many years before me. Um, some came a, a little bit after me, and we just instantly became friends, but we became the kind of friends that spoke truth to one another. Mm. And regardless of what was going on in our lives, personally or professionally, they were there as a support. They were there as references. They're there for advice. And we have a text chain that each of us is on every day And everything from guidance about careers to support through the pandemic. I was in San Francisco. They were all on the East Coast. We had a a Zoom every Monday night for drinks to support one another. And I would say that every person, whether they are male or female, I, I, of course, think it might be more important for women. You need your board of directors. You need your nasties. You need... The people that are going to personally and professionally speak truth to your power and uh,
2: help you and support you and a network like that is invaluable. Absolutely. So I know you talked a little bit about growing up, right, in a family business. And everyone really has a brand story. And I know that, you know, I see those beautiful pictures of your your mother oh, that you post <laughs> on social media. Talk a little bit about growing up. What did little Juliet want to do? And what were some of the things that really shaped who you are in terms of, of your early years?
0: Well, the reason little Juliet's voice is so loud and the reason <laughs> little Juliet has to be heard all the time is little Juliet is the youngest of six and the only girl.
2: So ah. I have five older brothers. So... <laughs> I'm already uh, feeling sorry for you. <laughs> yeah, so I
0: was... I was 50% of the time adored and 50% of the time beaten up and used as a, <laughs> as, as wait staff. And, uh, but, but I do think, uh, in a, in a way I remember when I went to my first job at Saatchi and, and someone said to me, wow, you're really comfortable in all those meetings. And I, I realized that was code for that. I was comfortable being the only woman in the room. Yeah. And I said, well, I grew up with all boys. It just did not phase me. yeah, uh, my my parents uh, were greatest generation. Neither went to college, and all of their children did. It was really important to them. They both uh, brought me up to believe that there was nothing that I couldn't do. And my mother had this habit of every time I would get promoted the first two weeks of the promotion, she would call every day and say, now remind me exactly what the title is. What do you do exactly? I'm telling everyone. And then within a month, the next calls were, so now what's the next position you can go for and how quickly can you get promoted to that job? And so this is a woman who never went to college, didn't have that uh, type of business opportunity and just, Wanted me to keep pushing, pushing, and pushing, and so I would say wow. that I was influenced in in those ways.
2: Wow! So you had like your first career coach, and it was your mom.
0: Absolutely, and you know I've given this advice, and and I don't even think I had the opportunity before she passed away to tell her this, but I, the best career advice I ever got, or leadership advice, I should say, I got from my mom, and mm. she didn't even realize it, and so. I don't remember what was happening, but the six of us were all with my mother, and I noticed she was comforting my brothers more than me, and I didn't like that, and I went up to her and said, why aren't you treating me the same way? And my mother said, the hardest thing about being a mother is you have six completely different individuals who need something very different, but as a mother, it has to look like you're not treating them any differently. And I realized as a leader of a team or a company, that's what you need to do, that it can't look like you have favorites. You can't be um, perceived as treating people differently, but you need to understand what each person needs to succeed and to thrive and figure out how to give
2: that to them In a way that is fair across the board. Absolutely. And in the moment, how did you respond to your mom when she told you that? I said that was not acceptable. Of course, but years later with wisdom, right? Yes. We see it as, <laughs> as, as the, uh, the best advice. Um, now, I love having marketers on the show because you, you even talked about, right? Like great marketers go out and they ask their audience, you know, what they believe, like you, what you did doing sort of a, a poll of your folks. What other things do you see as a marketer that are tools that individually we can all use to manage our own brand?
0: Uh, Well, to manage your own brand, again, I think there has to be clarity um, Mm. on what the product is. And so I think it's important for people to honestly assess what do they think they do well, what drives them, and where are their vulnerabilities or areas of improvement and then to build their brand from there. So build it from a really true, honest perspective and understanding your passion is critical because I did spend a lot of time in a job I wasn't passionate about and Mm -hmm. I wasn't good at it because I I didn't want to just read endlessly about how to be better at that. I didn't want to work the extra hours to move forward. And so if you always move towards your passion, then you are likely
2: going to uh, be uh, more successful regardless. Absolutely. Right. So as marketers, we're always going to the passion point of the audience, for you, you have to really be aligned to that passion. And what would you say you are most passionate about, Juliet?
0: Well, from a personal perspective, I'm the most passionate about my family and my friends who are my family as well. And yeah. they are my uh, source of joy and fun and support and comfort. From a <laughs> work perspective, I grew up, and I, I didn't mention this earlier. My family is a Broadway-loving, TV-loving, movie-loving. We are obsessed with um, all forms of media, and so for me, um, that's where my passion lies. And no surprise, that's why I was at HBO and at Viacom and NBC <laughs> Universal, and now TuneIn, which you know I was—I was so fascinated by the. Uh, the audio uh, segment. And as I, I said to you, I think I'm a natural for it because I have a face for radio. So <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it was, it was my next calling, but uh I, and I think you have to follow those things. I I don't believe I would be as successful running a cement company, and and there are a lot of people that would be passionate about that. But I I have to stay along the lines of, of also where I'm I'm a, a super fan.
2: Yeah, and you you said that you were in a role where you didn't have that passion, right? How did you come to terms and realize you needed to make a change?
0: So that job was actually working for my family's business and my (laughs) brothers all know this. So, (laughs) uh, I was not passionate about women's sleepwear. I was passionate about my family and I was passionate about supporting my father's legacy in terms of the, the company that he had built. But I was, I was not passionate about that industry and I realized after about seven years how unhappy I was. And I went to one of my older brothers who I was working with and told him. And, you know, God bless him. He's, he's an, an amazing friend of mine as well. He was so heartbroken because mm. he didn't know that. And if he had, he would have encouraged me to move on sooner. And so it, it, it also taught me about making sure and checking in with myself and making sure I am passionate. And if I'm not trusting other people, that you can share with them what you want and need.
2: Absolutely. You have to ask for it, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, you have to be your, your best advocate. Nothing, no matter how good you are at your job, will, will come without you advocating for yourself.
2: So, just some fun final questions for you, Juliet. Since we're talking about branding, right? What is a consumer brand that you are obsessed with that's your go to, you must have?
0: <laughs> so, the first thing that comes to mind, and you'll appreciate why, is Instacart. <laughs> 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 because I. I love going into Bergdorf's and going shopping for clothes, but I hate food shopping. And I, I got turned <laughs> on to that brand and the ease and the convenience of any and every store that you can order this, your food or from CVS or wherever it is and is brought to you is, is a brand that I can't live without now because it allows for multitasking and uh, it is not necessarily a sexy brand, but boy, it really fills a need for me. Yeah. Uh, and then another brand I can't live without, and I know this will sound a certain way, but is Prada? I just <laughs> <laughs>
2: say more. Why? Yeah, why must it, you have it stands Prada?
0: For it stands. First of all, they make beautiful things, but it it represents uh, quality and sophistication that's in many cases attainable and approachable and it's classic and timeless and makes you feel special.
2: Mm, Love that. So if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be?
0: So I think I would be the car that I have now, which is a um, Lexus, the RX 350. It's Mm. or at least I hope this is what I would be sleek on the outside, (laughs) dependable, got lots of power Mm. and uh, comfortable and uh, fast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And I know you shared those wise words from your mom, but in closing, what other career advice would you like to pass on to our our listeners as they look to build their executive careers?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think some of them I've said, embrace the strength of being vulnerable, follow your passion. My mom's advice that you need to recognize what everyone on your team needs and give it to them, but in a way that's fair across the board. Assume best intentions is something that I say to a lot of people. I think In business, people can get political in their minds where sometimes there is no political. I think whether you are onboarding in a new job, working with new people or working with your teams, uh, don't jump to negative conclusions about the people that you're working with. Assume best intentions and and work through that and don't play politics. It will never work. Be loyal to the company you're working for, what your goals are, your KPIs and your own personal brand, and you will succeed. No one that is political ever really doesn't get stung for it. And so it's a waste of time and energy.
2: Well, Juliette Morris, thank you so much for all of your insight.
0: Jason, thank you for having me. And it's so lovely to see your face, even though no one else can see it right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we'll have to snap a selfie to include in the yes, promo. <laughs> but thank you for having me. Thank you. And we'll be back in a few moments with my final thoughts.
1: Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level?
2: Well, I don't know about you, but I just loved talking to Juliet Morris. There were so many great morsels in there. But what really stood out to me was this whole notion of being a lifelong learner. Now, as we move up in organizations and as we move up in executive roles, it feels very natural to us that we should be teachers. But the real magic is that our learning journey is never done. One of the things that I loved that Juliet really pointed out was this whole notion of being vulnerable, that being a great leader isn't pretending to be the best at everything, that being a great leader isn't being an expert of all, but is rather getting the best out of other people and learning from other people. It really struck me when she said, you know what? It's not a weakness to be vulnerable and say, I don't know something. And she's certainly seen the success there. And so can you. So what is it in your career that you need to be more vulnerable about? What is something that you need to continue to learn? And who can you reach out to to learn from? It's not just about being a teacher. It's about being an amazing student. Well, if you've enjoyed the show, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. And I'd love to hear your feedback. Go ahead and give us a rating, and I'd love to hear that review. Now, if you'd love great tips on how to lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough, follow me on all social media platforms. I'm at the handle at JasonPatria. And if you follow me on LinkedIn, I give out plenty of fun lead with your brand tips every single week. And most importantly, in your career, don't be a commodity like coffee. Make sure that you're a super premium brand, just like Starbucks.
1: You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria.